Hello and welcome to Shit I Wish Someone Would Have Told Me, a series of conversations between my guest and I where we talk about all of the shit that we wish someone would have told us at some point on various topics. Our topic today is on toxic relationships and not just the romantic ones. We also talk about the toxic relationships that we can have with our platonic friends, that we can have with our family, that we can have with work, and that we can have with ourselves. We talk about what a toxic relationship is, what some of the red flags are. We talk about our own insights and experiences, and we also talk about ways to overcome and why that can be so hard. Spoiler alert, it's not you. It is the way that your brain is set up. So may you find some comfort in that. This conversation today is with a very special guest. It is with Beatrice from the Cheating on Fear podcast. And so if you have not already checked them out, please make sure to do so as soon as you are finished listening to this episode. I will link them in the description. And these conversations, should I wish someone would have told me, happen every Friday over on Instagram Live. So if you want to be there for the next one, then do give me a follow at Soul Searching and Squats because the times do change. And if you want to be there, I want you to be there. So make sure to also slide into my DMs and let me know what some shit is that you wish someone would have told you about something. The conversation today is an hour and 45 minutes and it is juicy if I do say so myself. I hope that you find some value in it. And if you do, please share with someone else that you think might also find value in it. Share this with your friends. And if you feel so inclined, please do give us a review. So without further ado, let's talk about some shit that I wish someone would have told me about toxic relationships. What up, what up? Hello and welcome to the second episode of Shit I Wish Someone Would Have Told Me. We're talking about toxic relationships today. So I hope you brought your blanket because it is going down. I'm going to be having this conversation with Beatrice from cheating on fear and oh my gosh she's already there this is so fast hi how are you <laughs> sorry i didn't even give you a chance you are like ready to go i was like let's go at 11 it's 11.05 but we are here um and thank you so for those that are watching that don't know who beatrice is she um is the co-host of cheating on fear which is a podcast that talks about you know all things that we typically tend to shy away from and how to really embrace that and lean into that and lean into your power. And if you have not already had a listen, then don't deprive yourself any longer and make sure that you go and do that. Um, is there anything else you want to add about you or that? I think that is the best, that is the best description of, of what we do I've ever heard. So thank you for that. And thank you, you for having me. You are so welcome. Thank you. You're looking you. radiant this morning. Thank you. I did put on some makeup for this. Um, thank you. You are looking radiant as always. So wonderful to see your face. Quick disclaimer before we dive right in, and that is simply that we're not medical professionals, and this is simply our advice, and it should be taken as such. Instagram is not therapy, and if there you know, is anything that you are feeling a need to talk to a professional about, please do so. Um, so with that being said, we're talking about toxic relationships today. And my first question is, what is the shit that you wish someone would have told you about toxic relationships? Oh, wow. You know, I've been watching your stories, um, you asking questions about what people are feeling about this. And I think when we talk about toxic relationships, people automatically go to romantic relationships. Yes. 
And I wish that someone had told me that toxicity is not reserved for romantic relationships. Yes. That there are also toxic friendships, toxic familial relationships, toxic work relationships. And those are all something that you need to be aware of and give yourself permission to limit and, and set boundaries on. Because I think that, um, especially with family and, and friends, um, that, that I, I, I recently ended a multi-decade friendship, uh, female friendship, and I am mourning it like a death. And I wish that someone had told me that it's okay that there, there is toxicity in those types of relationships and you, we need to be okay with ending those relationships because I don't think we are. I think we, we're so comfortable with ending romantic relationships that don't serve us, but friendships and, and family relationships that, that cause trauma and damage wherever it goes, that doesn't seem to be, there doesn't seem to be as much permission with that. I don't know how, how you feel about that. I think... Thank you for sharing. I know that's like a, a personal story. And I think that what you said is so true in terms of mourning it. That's like the part that stood out to me because I think we are in a society now where everyone's like, don't catch feelings, don't get too close, you're going to get your feelings hurt. And the act of actually, you know, being all in and like feeling is something that people fear because it's uncomfortable. And I think that it's, it's important that we do take the time to mourn these things because it is a loss and it is something that, you know, at the end of the day is, was a big part of, you know, our lives. And so I think just the way that I feel in terms of, you know, it being okay to do, to cut off a romantic tie versus a familial or platonic tie, I think, I think in terms of the whole romantic thing is just different, like period, because we as a society, you know, are conditioned that we need that partner in life. And that is like afforded all these different, like, you know, um, attributes, if you will, like whenever you are in like that partnership and it's as if the people in it are held in like higher regard because it's like, oh, well, they're validated because someone else like is publicly with them kind of thing mm. is like the way that I kind of see it. And so I think that people stay in relationships longer in those terms because of that tie. And I think that, um, or that ideology. And I think that, yes, it is permitted that we can like cut it off. But I think that ending any toxic relationship, ending any relationship, it can be really hard. And there's no like right or wrong way to do it. Um, one of the things, so Alanis Morissette did like a podcast and I don't know if she's still doing it, but like, I love her. And one of our Canadian sisters. She, so I don't know what y'all are drinking up there, but like I, I need to <laughs> bottle it and get some because like, woo. Um, it was on her podcast that I learned about like conscious uncoupling. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was like the coolest concept. Are you familiar? I am familiar with that. I actually, that one of the things, sorry, I'll let you continue and then I'll, and then I'll. No, that was why, it. You, talk, why you talk about unconscious uncoupling. I, actually, I think, um, I think uh, Gwyneth Paltrow ended 
her marriage that way too, which mm -hmm. I'm not a huge fan of hers, but I am a fan of conscious uncoupling. So why don't you tell people what that means? All I know about it, like I'm not an expert, but I just, from my understanding what it is, it's whenever you and whomever is in the, the couple, the partnership, mm -hmm. it's whenever the two of you kind of like how you started to like ramp up whenever you were dating, you like unwind to kind of like dissolve the relationship so that you can be mm -hmm. like amicable and on good terms, but not in like a romantic capacity anymore. And I just thought that that was like the coolest thing because it's been my experience and what I've witnessed all my life where you, you know, ramp it up like, oh, honeymoon phase, they're so great, blah, blah, blah. You get in the relationship, some shit goes down and it's like, fuck you, fuck your family, fuck your friends. And it's this all out like brawl. And even if it isn't, it's very much like, like I don't talk to cerebral of my exes and I'm like that's stupid and it's not like it's not so I don't want to say it's like it's not because of me because I'm very aware that like part of it is but at the same time before I even got the opportunity to really respond to our um dissolvement they like had removed me from social media they had blocked me and I'm like <laughs> what happened deleted all of our photos and I'm like dude Dude, like, I mean, do what you need to do, but what is it? Like, I mean, and again, like, I'm all for, if that's what you need to do, like, mentally to help you heal and process, go for it. Um, and so maybe that's a blow, like, to my ego, where I'm like, couldn't we, you know, like, talk about this? Like, hey, I'm with someone now. They want me to remove the photos out of respect for our relationship or, like, whatever it may be, like, whatever the case was. You know, like, I feel that it would have been a much healthier situation if there were have been were to have been that, like, conscious uncoupling, where we kind of, like, spoke about it and, like, went through that together. Like, we started dating together, so, like, we uncoupled together. That was a long explanation, so please share. No, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make, I'm, I'm listening to everything that you're saying and just thinking, there's so much to unpack there, there's so much to unpack there. We, Dante and I talk about that in terms of, the scorched earth policy that you see in a lot of breakups where we broke up, you need to no longer exist kind of mentality. And not to bring non-monogamy or non-traditional relationships into absolutely every conversation that I ever have with anyone. However, I think it's prudent in this, in, in this instance. Like bring it on. I think a lot of, of nasty breakups, I mean, the, a breakup is the death of an imagined future right? Woo! Say that again. A breakup is the death of an imagined future. And I think that there are so, a lot of the hurt feelings and the anger and what you're talking about of, I need to remove every evidence of your presence from my life. That is about, that I think is the flip side of possessiveness that yeah exists in a lot of traditional monogamous relationships and what you see in in the non-monogamous non-traditional relationships is very similar to what you see in the gay community where you find in the gay community a lot of people are friends with their exes or have good relationship with their exes because if you don't you have no one else to talk to these communities are so small that you and and the and 
there isn't that possessiveness of that person's mind. Now they're not. I have to pretend they don't exist. I can't imagine them with someone else. I can't imagine them enjoying themselves. You just don't see that as much. Um, unless there's abuse, in which case that's a whole other thing. But I still talk to quite a few of my exes, and not not even because I was in non-monogamous relationships with them, which I wasn't, but because I I think it's because I never really felt that same sense of possessiveness over that person. And I'm not judging anybody in any sense of the word in, in far in as so much as what type of relationship they're in. But it was like, okay, we we had this thing and now it's changed. And I, I think if we think about relationships in terms of changing, not necessarily ending, and people talk about breakups in, in, in the sense of we're transitioning our relationship into a romantic one to more of a friendship an affectionate friendship. Um, I have, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard the term romantic friendship. Mm -hmm. And you probably have some of those. I have romantic friendships with some of my, some of, you know, opposite sex, um, not acquaintances, but friends of mine. I have very close relationships with some of my exes, not sexual relationships, but certainly um, checking in on their life, asking how their relationships are going, having discussions about issues they might be having, issues that I might be having, because these are people that you presumably once loved. Where does the love go? Yeah. You know, Carrie, Carrie Bradshaw asked that question one time, where does the love go? And I think people get so blinded by their hurt feelings and their anger. And you talked about right now, it's up. don't catch feelings, don't be vulnerable. You can't enjoy intimacy with another person unless you are vulnerable or unless you leave yourself open to that. And is pain the worst thing that could ever happen to anyone? Like, don't we all get through it? Of course we do. Do we, do we have to change the way we look at that pain? Yes, we have to look at, what that relationship brought us and what we learned and what we enjoyed and what we expanded on our own personhood with that other person and take that and move forward with it. And, and um, I don't know if you've, um, if, if you are familiar with decoding couples, we, we did an episode with them a few weeks back and they talked about normalizing ending relationships as not necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes relationships need to end in that state because it's too damaging to the people that are inside it. And being married to my ex-husband was not a good thing for either one of us. But living in separate places and co-parenting for 10 years was a very good thing. And, and, and so this, this sort of erasure of that person from your life, I think, you know, you talk about a couple of people that did that to you. That just shows you, A, you did the right thing by ending that, that romantic relationship, and B, gives you an indication of what kind of emotional intelligence level you're dealing with at that point, and that, you know, if people can let go of their possessiveness of other people and look at them as autonomous human beings, and you think about your time in a relationship as a time that you enjoy with that person and learn about that person and, and experiences that you have, why does it, why is it all, and people will say, oh, that was such a waste of time. Was it? Yeah, I think in my experience personally, no, I would, one of them was like very short lived. And so like, no, but so like, what? I was also kind of like, what was the point? 
Um, another one, I would not Sometimes the point is just sex, Jonna. That's sometimes that's the point. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that either. I said this was a therapy. This is this is therapy for Jonna right now. <laughs> I'm not an expert. You should know that. I just 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 a little warning for you, just a disclaimer. My past relationships, yeah. Um I so everything, yes. Um my favorite, I think, thing that you said was about the erasure part of it and like let's normalize like relationships ending because yeah, I think that God, like yeah. I think that there's such fear around it. And like you said, it's not like it's called like a breakup, like it's over, it's done. But at the same time, that doesn't necessarily mean that the relationship is, that means that it's evolving into like the next version of what it's going to be. Just like we're all constantly evolving people. Oh, that's so yes. <laughs> yes. Sometimes you just outgrow people. Sometimes there's, there's times in your life where you need certain relationships for certain reasons and yep. then you either outgrow them or they outgrow you and and but but rejection is a real tough one for everyone mm -hmm. rejection is tough because mm -hmm. failure up, is tough it picks up that worthiness wound oh yeah yeah so yeah um in terms of so we we, we took like a big turn to the romantic partnership side of it in terms of like let's let's look at like red flags like what are the red flags of like what makes a relationship toxic and like how would you let's first before we do that take it back a step further i jumped ahead of myself how would you define a toxic relationship that's such a it's such a great question and i think it's such an interesting you know there, there's there's buzzwords i think that that float around and and i i think that's one of the buzzwords that's going on right now toxic relationships narcissists that's another buzzword that gets tossed around a lot and i i it seems to me that a lot of these terms are retroactive terms mm -hmm. and any relationship can be toxic if it doesn't serve you anymore yes and you continue to stay in it for the wrong reasons. So a relationship can't could start out being healthy and move to that toxic place when neither of you have any business continuing that relationship. Obviously, toxicity, if you are bending yourself, dissolving yourself, minimizing yourself, apologizing for yourself, justifying to yourself, the farther you get away from who you are, that is a really good indication that the relationship that you're in doesn't serve you. And you need to get out. And again, I, I think there's a lot of um, rhetoric around loyal women. Again, everything gets heaped. I mean, the patriarchy loves to talk about how women aren't loyal anymore. Mm. And, you know, they just jump from, they tree branch from one thing to another, monkey branch from one thing to another, whatever suits them. And to me, that just sounds like there's a lot of people out there that aren't getting away with their shitty behavior like they were before. Mm -hmm. When we had no choice but to stay. Mm -hmm. which it wasn't that long ago that we had no choice but to stay, right? 
there, we couldn't support ourselves. Our, our children belonged to their fathers. And so there were a lot of things in place that kept us in shitty, abusive, toxic, horrible relationships. And those things are, are moving out of the way now. So people are going to be held accountable for the behavior sometimes. And we'll touch on that later, maybe. <laughs> so I think so much. I but, think that, yeah. but I, you know, I, I think a red flag would be anytime you are asked to be less than or other than what you are, what do you need that relationship for? I mean, people need to, people need to learn to not be afraid to be alone. You need to learn to enjoy your own company. You need to learn to enjoy being alone because for me, and I was single for a long time before I met Dante and I was, I was enjoying my single life. And unless somebody improved on that, like unless if, if somebody is spending time with someone and this was anyone friendship, romantic partner, if, 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 if I was happier on my own than spending time with this person, guess what? I'm not spending time with that person. Mm-hmm. Because why? Why? Why do you need to negotiate? You know, relationships are hard sometimes. They're complicated. There's a lot, there's a lot, there's a lot of communication involved. There's a lot of, 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 of components to all that. Why would you invest that if it's not even better than being on your own? I think, and so Stephen and I talked about this last week in terms of, I think a lot of people get in these relationships looking for what is missing within themselves. And so when we do that, we have a tendency to stay in them well past their expiration date and to kind of like idolize. And like you said, like, you know, visualize like the potential. And when we do that, it's really doing a disservice to everyone because they might not ever be able to like live up to that. And even if they are, they might not want to. And that is their prerogative. And, you know, it's really, it's really like disillusioned for us to think that someone else can give us what it is that we are needing. They can, yes, but you can't rely on that as I think what one of the key points is like, we can get these things that we need from other people. And at the same time, we can't rely on others to give us that thing. And I think especially what is true a lot of times is we don't even realize what that thing is. Like we don't realize like what we actually need because we don't know ourselves. And I think that that is one of the reasons why we stay in these relationships so long, because we would rather be with someone because we're not, you know, confident enough in who we are to be alone we would rather have that person to kind of affirm like oh well I'm I'm worthy because they're here even if that is toxic as book one of the books that changed my life and I wanted to mention this um is um Osho the cone of relationships where it talks about like the art of being the art of aloneness Mm. that was like one of like that book changed my life I read it after um one of the relationships with a guy like we did kind of an uncoupling but then it like got, it was not, mm-mm. um, and yeah. So next thing I know I was like blocked and like all right. of her photos were deleted and I was like, <laughs> okay, I, I didn't, this, 
but you <laughs> like it was anyway yeah um so I read that book after that because that was a long-term relationship and I really like struggled um with like what to do in terms of like how to cope with that decoding couple says and when a partner can't give us a quote-unquote thing we need to have a solid enough core so that that just doesn't rock us and crumble us yes and I think and I knew so in that relationship in particular and this is perfect with what we're talking about in terms of toxic relationships and staying in the passive expiration date very early on I told this person I feel like I'm losing myself wow and to your point about a toxic relationship is any relationship that does not serve you and I told them that very early on and their response was well I don't know how much more I can give you right now because they were going through like their own personal things and so you know John and Al would be like Bye. no harm no foul like love you <laughs> man, but like I gotta go you do you then yeah was like okay well I guess I'll just wait it out until you can sure and so three and a half years later <laughs> yeah at the time I was like that's like a, that's like over 10 percent of my life <laughs> so right yeah. yeah and this is the thing you know again it's not wasted if you learn something yeah, no, and so you learned a very, you learned a very, very valuable lesson. And and to what, just to address what Dakota Couples was saying, their their comment there. If if someone can't give you something, then you go okay. But but if you if you don't have that that core of yourself of selfhood, um, <laughs> Dr. Murray says, "Love seeing you. Love seeing you, Dr. Murray." Dr. Murray actually has a great term, just I want to mention it before I forget, um, about people committing self-aside in their relationships. And I think that's exactly what you were talking about. Is you were, yeah, it's a big one. This is therapy. We, we do have doctors yeah. up in this bitch. <laughs> all the therapists, all the therapists are are, are helping us out today. They're, they're, they heard our, our, our distress call. <laughs> like the bat signal <laughs> yeah, thank you for um, but you know it you learned a very valuable lesson but this is the thing even if they can give you the things that you're that you're needing what happens when that relationship ends and that's where the hurt comes from and that's where the resentment comes from and that's where that desire to protect and erase all um all manner of that relationship from from your consciousness comes from is that I can't deal with this loss. I can't deal with this rejection. I can't deal with the death of this imagined future. So I need to pretend it never existed. And that's when people get into that narrative of what a fucking waste of time. Yep. No, they protect self-protect. And that comes from that fear of vulnerability mm -hmm. and and, and that's where trust issues come from, too, where people go, oh, it's so toxic. Like, I have so many trust issues. You have trust issues with yourself, not with that person. You don't own that person. You don't control that person. You don't have any say in what they do or how they behave. But you do have control over how you behave. The only person you need to trust in any relationship is you. You talk about staying in relationships far past their expiration date. <laughs> you you talk about that people do it because they don't trust themselves to go and be on their own 
and work on that person to not commit self-aside, to maintain that selfhood and go, you know what, this is not good for me. So I'm going to go love and light to you. How you behave moving forward is going to tell me everything I need to know about you and whether we can continue to have any kind of relationship in the future. And if not, if this is what you need to do right now is erase all of our fucking photos. Okay. Thank you for showing me that I made the right decision and then I don't need to rethink it. And thank you for the good content, you know, years later. <laughs> right? That I have this I mean, to share. Listen, those years that you fell in love with that person's potential is saving a lot of other people who have fallen in love with potential. Don't fall in love with potential, people. Yeah. No, because that is an expectation on someone that isn't honoring who they are at this time. You need to honor who they are in this moment. Any kind of potential fulfilling is just bonus material. Yes. Yes. And one thing that I want to point out, we have a question after oh. this, but um, one thing I wanted to point out, like, before I forget is you said that, you know, maybe that person can give them that, but like, we're not, the people usually are like, well, I have trust issues with them. Like, I can't trust other people, but like you were saying this, you can't trust yourself. We, and this is like, you know, people are fucking mirrors and we see in them like what we actually, we recognize things that other people, because that's actually what's present in ourselves. And so whenever we are seeing these things like, so I've got trust issues, um, it's all them. Yeah. It's really because like you said, like you're not trusting yourself and that's why it's so familiar to you and why you can recognize it so clearly is because you need to take a look at like your, your damn self. And I think that a lot of people don't want to acknowledge that and be held accountable for who they are. And so we distract with like, oh, like I just attract like assholes or like whatever the case may be so that we don't have to look at ourselves because we're so busy trying to like navigate all the outside stuff that we're actually bringing in because we just don't take a pause to be like, oh wait, it's me. <laughs> and so I think that that is something that, yeah. Yes to everything you just said. And you, you, you mentioned a term a little while back that I, I wanted to address again is that worthiness wound mm. and trust issues, trust issues, I think circle back to that worthiness wound. Yes. That, you know, they can't possibly, I can't possibly be everything to them. I can't possibly be enough for them. And those of us from the non-monogamy world go, no, you're not. <laughs> You can't be everything to everyone. You're not enough for one person. There's lots of people that, that people need to meet all of their needs. Not one person can meet any one person's needs. Sorry to bust your bubble, but that's the way it is. Mm -hmm. And we're sold this lie of like finding the one. There's no one. There are tens of thousands of people that are perfectly good matches for you in lots of different ways and lots of different reasons at lots of different times. Right? Like when people go, oh, are you and Dante best friends? No. 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 We we have best friends that aren't each other. Because you know what? He doesn't need to know everything. And I don't need to know everything. And you're allowed to have an autonomous personhood that I'm not involved in. But people are so afraid and they feel that that possessiveness is some kind of insurance policy against pain and loss and rejection. Yes, drop the mic. Yes. It's and you know, not. 
you so you need to be good with yourself and you need to be so sure about who you are and what you want and what you don't want and what you will accept and what you will not that you can walk away and you can walk away before something gets toxic because again i think that's a retroactive term that we use to justify ending a relationship i remember there were a, there was a lot of judgment i've been i've been divorced for 10 years now i can't believe that shit but there was a lot of judgment when my marriage ended people would say oh i'm so sorry they would say you know how are things and i'd say well i'm separated and they said oh i'm so sorry and i would say no don't don't be sorry um it was it was my decision and i'm okay with it and they go like this oh Oh, so I get it. You're a bitch. Is that your, like, right? The the look of of judgment and oh, like you don't deserve my my sympathy anymore because you know. Oh, you ended it. Oh, you're not a victim in this. Oh, well, fuck you then. And it's kind of like he's not a victim either. We're all just fine. Thank you. Yeah. And people feeling that they had to choose sides, and both of us, my my ex husband and I were like, you don't need to do that. We're fine like it's this was something that was we (laughs) we did an episode about this actually um there was a point where my ex-husband and I stood at a window in the courthouse to submit our divorce papers and the person at the wicket the clerk at the was like wait so you two are getting divorced we were like yeah because we were chatting about like his new girlfriend and how he was going to propose and all this kind of shit and she was like so wait like like you you two are the petitioners and we're like yeah why why isn't that a normal thing why does it have to be world war three over the last can of beans in the cupboard like stop grow the fuck up it's damaging to you it's damaging to your history it's damaging to your children it's damaging like stop stop it and you know i think that over the 10 years I've, I've spoken with many people who, once you've gone through a break like that, like a, like a, a transition of your relationship, you can see it on people. Mm. You can see it on their face. Mm -hmm. And all you have to do is go, Hey, okay. And they'll, and they'll start. Cause it's like, yeah, give, give it to me. I can see it. I can see it on you. I can see it on you. Give it here. Um, everybody treats it like a tragedy. Everybody treats the ending of a marriage, of a relationship, as a tragedy. And oftentimes, it's not. It's just something that isn't working anymore. And everybody involved is getting hurt. So you know what? Let's stop. Let's stop it. Before it gets to that point. Yeah. Right? But it, it, I was amazed at the, the, the level of judgment that would get hurled in my direction because I chose to walk away from a relationship that was not just hurting me, but hurting him, even though he didn't see it at the time. And he acknowledged it, you know, you know, when we were at the courthouse that day, he said, you know, I wanted to say to you that I understand where you were coming from now. And you were right. I wasn't happy, even though I had convinced myself that I was, and that must've been really, really hard for you to do that, to be the one to pull the pin like that. And that acknowledgement from him allowed a relationship to continue. 
right? Like there's so many people that can't talk to their exes for whatever reason, but his acknowledgement of that, that that must've been really fucking hard for you because he was really angry and there was all these hurt feelings. And that acknowledgement was like, okay, now our relationship is in a different, is at a different place. And I think if more people could just acknowledge, yes, you know what? I wasn't, it wasn't as good as we, as I thought it was. And you did the right thing. And that must've been hard. And I'm sorry that I put you through that. Why is that so hard for people to do? I, I think so. Ashley and I had a conversation about like how you're caught blocking your inner bad bitch. And it was by, (laughs) I I love that. Your ex did. Um, in terms of trying to convince ourselves of things when we know that's not true. Like he said, Mm -hmm. he tried to like tell himself that he was happy. And I think that like a lot of us do that. And I think that we do it because oftentimes the, the tolerance of what currently is takes less effort and is more comfortable than changing something. It's easier. Mm-hmm. Like one of the reasons I think that I stayed in that relationship so long is because we lived together. We've been together for a long time. It was going to be a big deal. We separated. Like you said, people act different. We were like integrated at that point. We would have to move shit out. We would have to move apartments. And so it was kind of just easier because we didn't, we weren't like having like all out like brawls every day. It was just that this wasn't really serving either one of us and it wasn't really broke necessarily, but um, yeah, we just kept on keeping them. Do you want, so let's answer, ready to answer this question we have here? Yeah. All right. So what have been some of the most helpful tools for you in recovering from toxic relationships? I apologize for the delay on that, but yeah, I feel that that, I feel we segued right into that. (laughs) Okay. You go first. Okay. So most helpful tools, that book really helped um, in terms of, because it's the art of being alone or the art of aloneness. And it really talks Mm. about how, like, what I think my main takeaway from that, there were several, but, um, I have it somewhere, but like there's tabs all up in it. It's right there. (laughs) Um, all the, all the little flags. There's a million. I'll grab it in a second whenever you're talking, because it's literally like I can grab it. So my big takeaway from there, and one of the things that helped me is, um, recognizing that like, if you're not happy, then chances are that other person isn't happy either. Right. Cause like I said, we're mirrors. So we recognize like what's in ourselves and like, you know, what's in others because like it's in our, it's in who we are. And so recognizing that like the other person probably isn't happy either is key because why would you, if you love them, why would you want them to continue to be in a relationship with you? And I think that was probably my biggest takeaway because I was like, yeah, why would I want them to be there? Like if they don't want to be there, like I'm withholding them from their happiness and being their best self. And why would I want to do that? I wouldn't want someone to do that to me. And so having that realization really, really helped in terms of um, one of the other things that was really helpful for me. You said this earlier, spending time alone and figuring out like, like reconnecting with myself and doing things that I wanted to do. And I think, you know, with anything, we will all want to operate kind of like on an even kill, like level of equilibrium, right? Like there's some highs, there's some lows, but for the most part, none of them are too extreme in either direction. And when we do that, I think that it's easier for us to navigate those really shitty things whenever they do happen, because we don't put so much emphasis on like the really happy things. We don't hold them to this like high esteem. It's like, or this prestige, it's 
very much just something that like, yeah, like this is true too. And I'm not saying like, don't celebrate the wins and the joys, but I am saying, you know, like be aware of how happy you are on a regular basis. Because whenever we like hold so tightly to something outside of ourselves to bring us joy, then that's us giving our power away. And that is us looking at that external validation to make us happy instead of recognizing that happiness is how you approach things. And, you know, joy comes from like who within like who you are. And if, if this isn't something like there are levels to it. So I'm not saying that you can like read a book and like, you know, write a journal prompt and like, I'm good. I'm changed. I'm transformed. I'm healed, baby. No, this has been like years and it always will be an ongoing process. And so I'm not saying this to be like flowery. I'm saying this to be like, this is what I found to be true. And it wasn't overnight. So those are, those are the things I have to say. So what about you? What have been some of your most helpful tools? Yeah. I mean, yes to all of that. And I think everybody's journey is to, oh, she's gone. She's gone to get the book. I'm getting the book. <laughs> everybody's journey is going to be different. And there you go. Yeah. What it's called the art of aloneness. Yeah, there you go. yeah, the love, freedom, and I'm the wholeness, the cone of yeah. relationships. But like, look at all these tabs. I love that. I love that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, to your point, learning about who you are and what it is that lights you up, um, focusing on that is is important. I would add to that. Um, really diving into questioning and or rejecting the notion of a couple of things. One, that you need to have a romantic partner mm. to be valid in this society, mm -hmm. that you can choose to be single and that is totally fine. Um, nothing wrong with that. And I find especially there's, there's some vitriol thrown at women um, by pieces of shit in the manosphere who are like, oh, y'all are like, oh, I don't need no man until you're 38 and you decide you want to settle down and, and now you've hit the wall and nobody wants you. And, and you're like, to that I say, go fuck yourself um, with love. But um, actually without love, just go fuck yourself. Um, but I think the rejection of the, the pressure that is put on people to couple up um, yeah, the world is built for couples right now. And that's okay. Um, but I think that so many people, like like you were talking about, that path of least resistance where it's just easier to be coupled than it is to be alone. And um, how much is your inner peace worth? Is it worth the extra surcharge to travel alone? Yep. Is it worth the extra, you know, trouble it takes to make sure that you're safe when you're alone yep it's worth all that because yeah. if you are a whole i mean sarah silverman has this great bit about you know um movies have ruined love for us because it posits that we are little broken halves walking around waiting for our other half and she says, I, I work very hard to be a whole person every day and I want you to come whole. And she's like, I realize I just said come whole, but anyway. But the, the idea is the same. I don't want to date a half a person. I don't, I don't want that. I want an entire person. I'm an entire person. 
The other part is the, the, the idea of the one. I think a lot of people stay in relationships. I know this, this friend of mine that I had to end the friendship with, um, she put up with a lot of garbage in a lot of horrible relationships because she would refer to this person as her forever guy. So if this is your forever guy, you're going to put up with all kinds of behavior like him coming home ham hammered in the middle of the night after um, fucking around on you and pissing in the corner of the room because, you know, he's your forever guy. And you, oh yeah, um, you don't even get me started, okay? Um, yeah, because he's he was her forever guy and, and that was what love was, is, you know, that's what you do is you support your forever person. Fuck that noise. Hells to the no, no. And, and that is toxicity. When you will put up with all manner of bullshit because you think it's a personal failure if you leave someone that treats you like that. And I think that's been kind of a bit of a, a, a running theme this week. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But that, the, sorry, but just, you know, those are the tools. Those are the tools. You are enough all on your own. And there are lots of people out there for you. So get the fuck out. Those are the tools where you're like, I, I don't put, I don't put all my eggs in that basket. Right. And I'm not saying that I'm not all in when I'm in a relationship. Oh yeah, I am. But it doesn't diminish me in any way if that relationship needs to end. So that's the answer to the question. Anyways, I think that was a great answer. Yeah. And that was a great question. So thank you decoding couples. For yes. That. Great. Question. Anyone else has any other questions? Pop them in either the comments or use the little question mark bubble and uh, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll tell you what we think. I think that, um, first of all, you said peeing in the corner. Did she clean it? Who did he, who cleaned it up? Okay. Uh, you know, I think if, if I'm in a relationship and we like are under the terms of like, this is a monogamous thing and you are cheating and then peeing in the corner, I'd be like, you need to call that person to come over here and clean that shit up because um, <laughs> yeah. and my, my forever, my forever person will become yeah. my um, March 26th person, 2001. <laughs> Real yeah, quick. Yeah, bye-bye. Like, yeah, it's crazy. It was crazy. It's crazy shit. I'm just saying, it was just an extreme example of- That was a good one. Of, you know, all manner of shit that people will put up with because it's, in their mind, it's better than being single. What? Being single is amazing. And if somebody can add something to your life and bring something to your life, that's also amazing. If not, yeah. Bah. Bah. I don't know if you want, I don't know if you want to talk about like the shit that's going on this week. I don't know if you want to address yeah. that or yeah. if you. We can. Yeah. You mentioned that I've been like a running theme because so, so far just to, touch base we've talked about what a toxic relationship is yeah. um what some of the warning signs are which anything that makes you feel less than toxic relationship anything that doesn't serve you we're doing cliff notes um warning signs anything that makes you like you know feel as if you have to like shrink yourself or make yourself less than and then the different types and so we talked about you know romantic like family platonic work environments which i do kind of want to touch on like that a bit and yeah, let's do that um, yeah let's do that foods 
So which do you want to, which, where do you want to go first? Do you want to talk about the shit that's happening in the media? I think we should finish with that. Okay. Okay. So now, um, work relationships. And also I want to talk about, yeah, like relationships with food and like our own bodies, because I oh, think yes, okay. is something that runs deep. And I know for me, that is, that is where it all started. And by started, I mean, there was no like, oh, that's the day. It was kind of always subconscious, like conditioning that like my body needed to look a certain way. And we've talked about this. And I think that that is something that's very toxic. And to your point about being retroactive, at the time I was in it and I didn't know anything different. And so I didn't recognize that was, that, that was toxic to how I felt about my body, always trying to force it into, you know, looking a certain way that I thought was acceptable or desirable. And looking back now, realizing that, wow, I really had a toxic relationship with my sense of self and my body image. And that translated into these very toxic relationships that I had with food and also with movement, because I felt that I needed to restrict myself in terms of what I ate. I felt that food was bad because it was going to make me fat. I felt that movement was something that I had to do because that was going to like make me skinny or give me some like, you know, aesthetic or physique. And so that was, I mean, what, what did we decide? Like whenever we spoke one time, it was like 20, like mid to late twenties before I really realized what I had been doing literally my entire life. And it wasn't anything that anyone ever like shamed me about or said, you know, you should look this way. It was just something that was kind of ingrained based on what I had seen from the way that my mother like responded with like foods and was always like counting her points because she was always on Weight Watchers and what I saw in the media and like models and what I saw like, you know, the popular girls in school and that kind of stuff. And so I didn't realize that I was in a toxic relationship with my damn self. And that is some shit I wish someone would have told me. Yeah, I, it's, it, this is how we connected initially, I think. Yeah. Um, was that shared, <laughs> that shared self-imposed prison. Yeah, that shared um, Sure, there's lots of, and, and yeah, the environment for that is, is, it does set us up for that kind of toxic relationship. Um, with our own bodies and with food and with exercise and um but and yeah there were a couple of instances where there was kind of shaming from the family like making comments and stuff like that that they think are funny but that don't kind of stand up so well over time but like you i i i um it was very much a self-imposed relationship that i that I, I was into my thirties before I could break that. And I think there's certain points, even during, you know, this last year when we were locked down and everything was changing and, you know, it was like where the only word I can use to describe it is grief. Like you're in this prolonged state of grief. And, um, I don't know if, you've read anything about this, but there's been an uptick in um, eating disorders. I didn't know that. Within the last year. I didn't know that, but I'm not surprised. No, because I, I think there's a lot of women who are feeling like they need to look a certain way, me included, 
where you you feel you you want to feel a certain way you want to look a certain way and and again you were like so spot on with this right from the fucking beginning about that worthiness wound and that all feeds into that worthiness piece where you don't feel worthy of anything unless you look the way you think you should look act the way you think you should act you know have the aesthetic you think you should have have the you know like that badassness and i think because of the training that we both in, in, engaged in it's like you you get your juice from that too it's like oh shit you do that and it's like yeah and 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 just allowing yourself to turn like to move into another direction from that too where it's like this is part of my personality no it's fucking not it's a fucking workout modality why don't you calm the fuck down <sighs> yeah yeah you know, like i had this is and this is you know this is when you know again retroactively and you go that's not fucking healthy you know i've been doing you know the functional hit style training for a long long time and then there were things that i had had to um substitute for my jiu-jitsu training that was coming up very similar to that so i was like well i don't want to like do this kind of training and then weight training on top of it it looks just like it except for the kettlebell so i think i'm going to change the way i lift and it was almost like this little like what are you talking about how can you how can you change your training modality like this is who you are no it's fucking not it's the way in which i pick up shit and put it back down again why don't you just relax bitch Right? So sometimes that when that toxic relationship comes from within, that's a fucking Jedi mind fuck for sure. Yeah. And that's the hardest thing to break because you live in here all the time. Yeah. So now you're my therapy. Thank you for that. You're welcome. I was laughing <laughs> because you are welcome. It's um it's compensation for earlier. <laughs> we're, on, we're on a very complicated barter system. When um yeah. But hey, it's working. Um, I was laughing because I was like, yeah. So like the shit that went down with <laughs> CrossFit uh, this yeah. summer and like my decision to like, you know, no longer affiliate myself with them. When it came time for my certification to expire, I was very like anxious feeling about it. And then I had this moment where I was like, it's because I'm attached. I am looking at this as being a key part of who I am and my identity. Mm -hmm. I am looking at this because I got to thinking about. It. I'm like, this is how I have most of my friends. This is how I literally became who I am, and I'm feeling some major type of way about that not being true anymore. And so it was like this very like bittersweet moment where I'm like, I made me me, but at the same time, had it not been for that experience, this wouldn't be the same. And so this, I think, goes right back into what we were talking about, like these relationships having like, you know, seasons and phases and like, you know, not everyone is for everyone all the time. It was a relationship I was in with CrossFit for a very long time and it was hard for me to let go. And I cried like, yeah, like you said, like you mourned it like at a death. Mm -hmm. I am still like, I started crying about when I talked about it um, one of the last times because I was like, I, I, I wouldn't be like, it helped make me who I am. And like with that, it also made me strong enough to recognize that that's not something I want to be affiliated with anymore. And so with that strength, I was able to walk away and cry about it and mourn it because it deserves that. 
it deserves to be honored in that regard because it is something that was such a big part of my life for so long and I still you know believe in the methodology it's just the company and the organization like they, I don't agree with their practices and because I am so you know confident in who I am at this point I am comfortable saying I'm not I don't agree with that and I'm not going to stick around and watch it I'm not going to stick around and be a part of it so we had a comment really quick um rock savage pod reminds me of rogan conquering your inner bitch haha ha, that guy yeah for real <laughs> conquering your inner bitch you you missed it earlier we talked about cock blocking your inner bad bitch but yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but isn't that but isn't that the same thing you know I, I love i love how the parallels just sort of emerge on their own where you know you were talking about this is who, this is what made me who i am this is what and it's like no you fucking made you who you are that was just the modality. That was just the vehicle. And it's the yep. same thing as, as attributing everything that you are and everything that you do to this relationship. Yeah. No, it's you. You're still you with or without that relationship. You're still you with or without fucking Christmas, right? Like it's the, <laughs> it, you're still you. And I, but I get that whole, you know, releasing that part where it's like no this this is not a direction I want to go in this served me for a time to a certain point and no longer and you shed that and you think I'm not going to be me anymore who the fuck am I without this no you're still you bitch <laughs> and you're well, amazing and your ability to be a thinking feeling human being and not well what oh I'm just going to go wherever it goes because I'm, because your so much of your identity is wrapped up in this thing that it doesn't matter where it goes or how fucking toxic it becomes or how shitty it is or how many people it hurts and you go yeah but I'm a crossfitter like no and you go um no I don't like you said I don't want to go where they're going I don't like what's going on there I'm going to remove myself from it take what I learned and move forward as a fucking thinking, feeling human being. And I applaud you for that because I understand how painful that is to let go of that part of you that meant so much and changed change so much about your life. And that's okay. It doesn't mean that you have to erase all that. You don't have to remove all your pictures from when you were doing CrossFit. No, you don't. Yeah, those are safe. Yeah, thank you for all that. This is therapy. So yeah, thank you for all that. I think that you said so much good stuff that not just applies to like my experience, but I hope to anyone listening or watching because I think that that's so true. And again, like, so my thing was CrossFit in this experience and, and you can apply that to anything. You can apply that to your job. You can apply that to, you know, these family relationships. You can apply that to these romantic partnerships, these platonic friendships. You can apply it to literally anything. And I think that that's important to note because, and this isn't something that talking about conscious uncoupling and what you were saying about like the relationship, you know, transforming. I think that like, it's not something that like, I necessarily have to say goodbye to forever. Like, I know that they are looking for, um, they're looking for ways to kind of like navigate like some of the situations that have happened. And I think that that's how great they are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Someone <laughs> sent me a job uh, posting the other day for a diversity inclusion director. And so I'm like, good for you. Like, I'm glad you're doing stuff, but like this should have been already anyway um so i'm not saying i won't return to them later if i see some changes 
but I'm saying right now, and I think that that's important too, that we can, you know, take and transfer to any relationship is like, I it might be back, but for right now, like, mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> and I, that, that's such a great point that you make, because again, these, these parallels between different relationships in your life. And if you, if you are able to resist the scorched earth policy, there's nothing that says you can't circle back to right. any kind of relationship. Right. Um, and, and, but what I think the important thing is with romantic relationships, with friendships, with familial relationships, with workplace relationships is boundaries, boundaries for yourself, boundaries that, you know, I will not go beyond this, but with that thought of, if I see change, I'm not, I'm going to leave that open. And if you, if you set everything on fire, you're not going to be able to do that circle back. Right. And you don't know when and how people will re-enter your life for whatever reason, right? right? I have left that friendship open. I She knows that if she needs my help, I will be there. But for right now, I can't be in her life because I can't stand and watch what's happening because I've there's been too many burning rescues from burning buildings that I can't do it anymore. And so, because it was bad for me. And so, and so with, with all of those types of relationships, you need to have those boundaries and stick by them. And that is a very strong sense of self mm-hmm. and selfhood. Now with work, that is a whole other fucking realm. Because I think people are learning a lot more about um, what work actually means and what they need to do and not do um, mm-hmm. because of the events of the last year. Right. Um, I've been in my job for 13 years, and right now it is a toxic dumpster fire. And you are seeing how people are getting treated, and you go, oh, hell no. And you need to, you know, unless you are working for yourself and doing your own thing and, 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 and going above and beyond and doing all the things that you need to do because it's, it is working for yourself and it's your own thing. Organizations don't give a fuck about you. Human resources isn't for you. None of that shit's for you. You are replaceable in Uh any workspace not in your house or in your world. You are irreplaceable in your world. You are replaceable in any workspace. And I think that's something that everybody needs to keep in mind when we're looking at the toxicity of how you are treated as human capital. That I think that is, is completely different from every other relationship that we're talking about today. Um, your relationship to your job and your self-identifying as your job or with your job, that shit has to stop. Yeah, because organizations don't give a fuck. They 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 don't. They do not. They they are. They have their own. You know, I don't know if you. This is this goes back a few years. There's a documentary. It's a it's quite a a few years old. It's called The Corporation, Mm -hmm. and it's a fantastic documentary. If you're if you're ever like having trouble going to sleep one night, or if you're feeling too happy. Um, but there is a part in this documentary where they compare a corporation to a psychotic individual. And there is 
parallel after parallel after parallel after parallel. Psychotic individuals don't give a fuck about you. They mm -hmm. only care about preserving themselves. Mm -hmm. And so I think we've all learned a few lessons in the last year about work-life balance, about preserving your mental health and self-care. About what's important, like your values. About what's important, yeah. And, and where you are replaceable and where you are not replaceable. Right. So that's just, I just wanted to speak um, very briefly to that type of relationship because I know a lot of people suffer a lot in toxic work relationships and in and in in jobs that they give far too much of themselves. And I'm not saying don't do a good job, absolutely. But um, again, to, to quote Dr. Murray, committing self aside in service to your your job or or your organization, absolutely not. Yeah, absolutely. thank you for that. I think that that's very important to note because yeah, we want to like do a good job. That's like you know. For sure, have, like autonomy, like in in ourselves, and so whenever you're given like like these companies are so strategic and about like how much freedom they give you to kind of like feel like you're doing your thing, but it's really serving their bottom line ultimately, and so it's kind of like a it's like a mind fuck, like it is a toxic relationship if you don't like detach from it, like you were saying, and just look at it as like I'm gonna do what I need to do to get my paycheck and like go home, and I think that mm -hmm. that you so spot on with everything you said and like what we have learned over this past year with how disposable we actually are um and how we can actually work from home after all and all these other things and that they said like, were impossible before right right and like how important like essential workers are and all of these things and yeah like josh and i did a conversation where we talked about like your purpose which was something that i think a lot of people kind of like got into um in terms of oh bye have a good day um in terms of you know what this whole situation like this pandemic meant to us um and like you know seeing like the the riots in the street and like these political like you know outrage and like all these other things it's kind of like wait a minute you know what my job like you know making you know whatever like sales reports isn't really that important that no one reads yeah these tps reports aren't really that important in terms of like the grand scheme of like humanity and i think that was a rude awakening i think that was very uncomfortable for a lot of people because like you said they had no other option and i said this to someone the other day that um they said that they're an extrovert and like this was really difficult for them um not being able to like be around people and i said that like you know, I, I removed the charge. Like I'm in the practice, I'm in the habit, I've been doing this for several years of removing the charge from situations and looking at them for what they are. And I feel personally that this, you know, lockdown served a lot of us because I think a lot of us, like as humanity, needed to have the time and space where we couldn't go anywhere so that we could really sit and like think about and recognize who the fuck we are. Because so many people don't know we live in this environment that was created for us to keep us in the wheel where we don't have time to think about our purpose and just we don't have time to think about how other people are being treated we don't have time to think about what hr and these companies are doing to people we don't have time to think about the fact that you know the patriarchy exists um we don't have time to think about the fact that there are racial injustices and since we were all sitting at home on our asses glued to our phones because we were like i don't know what to do number one because we don't have hobbies anymore because we don't have time for it. 
we saw things that made us very uncomfortable and that we felt some type of way about. And so it was a matter of figuring out if you're going to do some shit about it or if you are going to kind of like turn the other cheek, like, oh, I don't know, like unblock, like hands off, like, well, that's not me. I'm not doing it. Like, and not take responsibility for it. And so hashtag not all men. Yeah. Hashtag not all men. <laughs> oh, Jesus. And like the all lives matter bullshit. I'm like, that's not what oh, that's like, no one said they didn't. <laughs> so yeah, I think to your point about, um, I went way off on a tangent, but to your point regarding, it's great. Um, thank you. To your point regarding work specifically, I think that, yeah, that is an important thing to note that like, yeah, obviously you need your job. Like the way the world's set up, like you got to pay your bills, like you got to keep the lights on, you got to pay for water, even though that's like the most abundant resource until we polluted it. That's a whole nother topic for a whole nother day. Um, you got to pay for things. And so I get it. Like, I'm not saying quit your job. It makes you unhappy, but I'm saying to, I think, I don't want to speak for you, but to your point, detach your ass from it. Like that is not you. That is not who you are. And start looking at some other things that actually fill you up because the only thing that job's doing is keeping your pockets from empty because let's be honest, you're probably not making a shit ton of money there because that's the way they set it up. Mm hmm Rick Riggs has a great comment there. A lot of people think they are their work because they don't actually know who they are. Yep. What can people ask themselves to help understand who they really are and what's important to them? Great, great Ooh. comment and question. Yes. Great comment and question. So do you want to go first? Don't me too. Um, okay, I'll go. Um, I think that the, I mean, a lot of us engage in, in this kind of fantasy conversation, right? What would you be doing if you didn't have to work? Uh -huh. What would you be doing? And I, and I think that that's, you know, people, people need to, to think about, uh, think about that, that um, you can identify, you can do a job and do it well and like it without it becoming your identity. And I think that's something that I fell into um, because my job is very um, emotional and there's a lot of, there's, we call it heart work, okay? And it's very easy to identify with that job and make it a huge part of your personality. And, and when the bottom fell out this year, um, it was a whole other mind shift and paradigm shift about what this job actually is. And am I willing to, um, to commit self-aside for it? Am I, am I going to allow it to rob me of sleep and peace and physical health and like all of those things? And you go, fuck, no, no. And it's not that I don't care about my job. It's not that I don't love my job. I absolutely do. But it occupies, um, a space in my life. It's not my whole life. Right. And I think what, what you, what you need to ask yourself is what am I willing to give to this here? Am I willing to sacrifice all of these other parts of my physical and mental health for it? No. And I don't think anybody should do that for any job. Right. I'm like, you know, because you're right. It's a way to, to, to line your pockets. It's a way, this is, this is how we have to function in the world such as it is. And that's great. And if you love your job, you're very lucky. And if you're paid well for doing something that you enjoy, you're super duper lucky. And 
And I don't subscribe to the whole, oh, if you find a job you love, you'll never work a day in your life. That's fucking bullshit too. Of course you're working. Even if you have something that you love, it's still work. It's, it's still not, oh, I don't have anything to do today. It's not the same. But um, a lot of people, I think, had to reevaluate their identity. Yeah. Based on how their jobs change. And, and you know, you said something so important before about, you know, extroverts and, and how we all like to self-identify in all these little compartments and all these little pigeonholes. Well, I'm an extrovert, so, like, check on me. Um, you need to sit with that. You need to sit with that and, and look at that. <gasps> You know, and I'm not saying that things aren't helpful. Like, and we all, you know, that's so Leo of you to say, oh, well, you know, I'm an Enneagram 8 because that's just the fuck how I am. And like, I mean, I understand our desire to fit into all these different, all these different things that explain our fucked upness to ourselves. Why can't you just accept that you're fucked up and you need certain things on some days and other things on other days and that's all okay? Because but. your ego and your worthiness wound, that would mean accepting that you're not yes. perfect and admitting it and being accountable for these things that, you know, we look at as like a shadow part of like who we are, shadow cells, if you're in like to the, the esoteric kind of like terminology. And so, yeah, I think, yeah, I think that that's why I think in terms of, um, was there anything else you want to say on that? I did kind of jumped in my bad. No, 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 you're good. I was like, this is why, I think. But um, so yeah, how do we, the question was, how do we, where is it? How do we, or what can people ask themselves to help understand who they really are and what's important to them? So what would you be doing? So what would you have to say to that? I was going to say, ask yourself what's important. Ask yourself what your priorities are. And I think that, so here, that's, I think, where it starts, because I think a lot of times, like, that's easy for me to sit here and tell you, but, like, a lot of times people don't know. A lot of times what answer you're going to get from people or what they think they should tell you. Oh, well, my family, obviously, my friends, and, like, you know, whatever else, and, like, that that's usually the go-to. Like, that's what's important, but in reality, I think a lot of times it takes, like, self-discovery and, like, trying things out and figuring out what it really is that's important to you, because I think so many of us just don't know, and we default so that toxicity of should, what we think we should say about it. And that's, that's, that's probably, I mean, that might be true. Like, you know, of course, like, I think we all like value our families and like friends to some extent, like maybe not, <laughs> but like, what day is it? Yeah. Yeah. Like, but you know, there's, there's, you know, that seems like a very, like, I mean, like a very superficial kind of like basic for lack of a better term like I don't mean to be crass in saying that but that's just like duh right <laughs> like duh and so it's really a matter of like what like getting clear on like your purpose and like what your message is like what are you here to fucking do mm-hmm. and I think that another way to approach that instead of just like oh well let me think I think that like my family and friends um what really pisses you off like, what is it that really gets under your skin? Because mm-hmm. that is probably going to tell you, and, like, that that's going to be a, a, a hint as to what it is that you really give a shit about. Mm-hmm. And so what I've noticed for me, just to give you an example of what I mean, is that, like, I don't get mad often because I'm very aware of, like, I've done a lot of work. Like, I used to be an angry bitch. I used to be a very angry, like, teenager and just, like, person. 
up until like early 20s, I would say. And so I, I say that just because I, 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 I'm able to speak to it. And now I'm at a place where, you know, not a lot of things piss me off. But what does, I started looking at the root of it, is when people are out of integrity, whenever they do some shit that they say that like, you know, they, they're either like hypocritical in that term or um, if they're dishonest. So if you're out of integrity or if you're dishonest, the things that piss me off always relate back to that. Um, and like unfairness, which relates back to being an integrity, right? Like justice. Yeah. Yes. And so like those things are the things that piss me off. And those are the things that I really care about. When you think about it, um, that's like something that I feel like, I hope that answers like your question, but just in terms of like figuring out like what's important to you, I think that looking at what pisses you off is a really clear sign. I don't mean like people, I mean, maybe if you want to relate it to that, like if you're driving, you have road rage, that might be like, you know, you need to go inward a bit more on that. But it could also be because like that asshole isn't obeyed speed limit sign or they're not yeah. obeying the traffic laws. <laughs> well, and they're putting other people at risk and that yeah. answers your, your sense of, of justice and, and, you know, the social, the breaking of the social contract, yes. which that's happened a lot lately. Yes. 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 So I think, I hope that those answered the question. If not, mm -hmm. please let me know. I think we're, we're coming up on an hour and a half here. So I know it's crazy. So, did, you know, I, it's like your segues just appear out of thin air. So you were talking about what pisses you off is, um, lack of integrity, mm -hmm. um, being a hypocrite, dishonest, Ooh. yeah, dishonesty. Did you has has your sense of justice and integrity and honesty been injured this week, Jonna? So I mean, not as much. So I think, but that's none of my business. The whole like social justice thing, like thing. I don't mean thing, but like the whole like movement has like really done like a number to me and like my mental health and like just from like a uh a humanity like stance and i've really like latched on to this whole Derek jackson situation this week because i feel like I'm it's not, not funny but I, I was gonna say it's not funny like i'm not like i don't find pleasure out of other people's hardships but i think that it is funny just because like it's lighthearted and like these memes are great <laughs> The memes are so good. But um, for those of you that don't know, so Derek Jackson is a relationship guru and he has been for like a long time. He's got like a million some followers and he is very adamant about preaching, about monogamy and talking about like bringing like, you know, God and spirituality into it, and, like doing what's right and come <laughs> to find out. Having threesomes with God. That's, that's <laughs> that motherfucker would cheat on his wife. Like with a lot. Yeah, with multiple people last year. And so, yeah, there's been like a lot because he got found out. I, I don't, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I'm going to interrupt you. Yeah. I was checking stuff as late as this morning that there are several, several women. One of them um, became pregnant late last year, November, December. I didn't know that part. Yeah, she's a doctor, apparently, and um, has this beautiful home with these white pillars in the front of her house. And apparently he made a bunch of his car videos. I didn't know who this person was until you started posting about it. And lately, it's and, and all this week, it's been like, 
bring it, bring it, bring it, bring it, bring it. I just want to. <laughs> um, apparently, a bunch of these car videos that he made with all these white pillars in the back was this bitch's house. Where he would like do videos about monogamy and proper relationships or whatever in front of his mistress's house. Like, what? Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Oh, yeah. It's, it, it just gets worse and worse and worse for this guy. And I guess what the first thing that, that I attenuated to was the apology video that you, apology video that you posted, where his wife is sitting there looking like a hostage. It was like he walked into the kitchen and was like, babe, we're going to do this thing, okay? Give her a minute, please. Did you see? Give her a minute to like, Go ahead. You permit it. There's so many TikTok videos of like people dressing up like his wife and just being like, "Babe, like blink twice if you need help." Like it's it's it, it's insanity. And she has now doubled down on her standing next to him, talking about like the army of God and covered in Jesus' blood, and she's gonna stick. I. It's like where what? It's gone. It's gone so far off the deep end. Um that it, it's it's just such a mess and it's it's just kind of full circle our, our conversation about toxic relationships where you want to talk about something that doesn't fucking serve you anymore where you think you're in this relationship with this person who who has built a, I mean an I empire. Empire, empire is probably a large a, a grandiose term to use since I've never heard of this person but an empire, an online empire, empire about preaching something and giving other people shit and passing judgment on their relationships and the way they conduct themselves. And meanwhile, this is how you're behaving. Listen, I think I said this to you, be a cheating piece of shit if you want, but don't fucking tell other people not, not to do what they want to do. If y'all are doing what you're doing. Like, do what you're going to do and shut your fucking mouth about it and keep it. Do not embarrass this woman on a global scale because you need to feel better about whatever it is you're doing and you are in self-preservation mode. And now this woman has been victimized again to save your sorry ass. And, and the, 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 the clapback, especially from women and women of color, I, I would almost say I feel sorry for him. I don't, but shit, it's, it, it is really, really something to watch unfold. So yes, um, I think yes to, to all this. And I think that this talks or to take it to toxic relationships, like you were saying, it's kind of like, and this is a great like segue for this, um, you know, how do people get out of them and why is it so hard in terms of like, you know, when you're, you're in it, because like you said, and I want to point out, um, so Steven said this on one of the talks that we had, um, that whenever people, you know, apologize, whenever they, um, make an apology, that's not for you. That's for them that's for them to feel better about what they did. So his video was for him. What oh, yeah. needs to happen if you truly feel sorry is you need to seek forgiveness and you need to, you know, we need to see some change behavior. 
So it's not the apology, it's the asking of forgiveness and, you know, actually doing something to, to, to demonstrate that you have changed that behavior. And also to acknowledge the damage you have caused. Yes. Yes. To that injured party, which yes. was also glaringly missing in that, in that video. You're right. That was a masturbatory act. Yeah. Exactly. I posted a Hey, Damn Shame! We're going to tune in to, please tune in to uh, Damn Shame podcast tonight, live on YouTube at 8 p.m. because they're talking, she's talking about this too. And I cannot wait to hear Kiki's view on this. So, oh shit, I can't wait, I can't wait, I'm so excited. But I'm talking about Derek Jackson and that train wreck. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. But, but you're right. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not here for apologies. I'm only here for changed behavior. And other than that, get the fuck out of my face with your, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because that was the other thing that I saw this morning that he was still seeing this woman, this, this uh, woman that apparently became pregnant as late as March 18th. That was, that was, that was last week. That was, that wasn't even last week. That was like a couple of weeks ago. I fucking cannot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The video, yeah. I posted a parody video that was really funny. <laughs> it was so good. The woman sits down and she's like, what kind of match? Should I change? And she's like, no, no, they're not here for you. Anyway. They're here for me. <laughs> oh, it, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. Yeah. I that, posted that. It should still be up on my stories if anyone wants to watch it. Um, yes. Here for the change behavior. So with that being said, we're coming up on an hour and a half. Let's wrap this up. Um, <laughs> no! no I know. I know. I feel like I can go on forever, but I know that like people have things people to do. People have shit to do. <laughs> people have shit to do. Yeah. People have lives. Some shit we wish someone had told you. Y'all are trying to do some shit. So, okay. How do you leave a toxic relationship? Because I think, you know, you can tell the red flags. Like if you don't feel like yourself and you feel like you're shrinking yourself, that's a red flag that feels unique to everyone. But like, how do you get out of it? And why is it so hard? How do you get out of a toxic relationship? I'm supposed to do that in, in, in a minute. I mean, we can take longer than a minute, but. No, it's just, it, that's like, that's a hard thing, right? Like, I mean, you need to, you need to set up a support system. Yep. You need to um, acknowledge to yourself that this is the right thing for you. Um, you can't go back and forth. You need to, if you're going to end it, end it and don't go back. You need to be sure this is what I'm going to do for me. Set yourself up for success. You know, prep your support system, friends, family, activities, um, you know, um, your new knowledge. What's that? Your new routine. Your new routine. Think about the things that you haven't been able to do in a long time that you're going to do. Make dates with yourself and keep them, right? Um, and and acknowledge that it's that you're going to feel pain and that's okay. You're allowed to feel pain. You're allowed to feel bad. And you know, Dan Savage talks all the time about you know, have your have your cry, have your ice cream, have your Netflix night, have your whatever, and then. You pick yourself up and you do the things that make you feel good, right? Be in nature, meditate, you know, um, snuggle your pets. Like, you know, 
be and be choosy about who you let in. Be choosy about who you spend time with. Spend time with people that nourish you. Spend time with people that hear you. Spend time with people that you don't have to um, carry. We mm. all have that those time stuff people, those those energy vampire people. Those people just need to stay out there for a while until you understand that this relationship is bad for you. Because I think there's a critical point where you feel like, oh, this hurts. Oh, oh, this hurts too much. No, no, no. And they go running back into the burning building. That burning, that building is burning. Let it burn. You can be out here on the sidewalk. It's safer out there. It's better for you. It's healthier for you. And just believe that, that there is healing in front of you. There is you know, learning in front of you. There are new people in front of you. There are new experiences in front of you. There are far better things in front of you than what you leave behind. And I think that's where I would end that. I think all that is so good because yeah, there is no, while there is no like, here's your handbook, you know, there, there are some things that you need to like set up and like structures in place um, that you need to make sure are there before you do that. And I think it looks different. So in this capacity, I feel like we're probably talking about, it can be applied to romantic platonic and also um, I think work environments in terms of like, obviously each one has their own specific like idiosyncrasies where we're gonna kind of, you know, modify and make it specific to that experience and specific to that person um, and what works for them. But yeah, I think that everything you said is great. Um, and in terms of like the relationships that we have with ourselves and like food and like movement and like touch back on that, that, that is, I feel a whole different ball game because to your point, like you're in your head. And so I think since you touched on like what I feel was like those other components, like I'll touch on that. Does that sound cool? Okay. Absolutely. So I think Love it. in terms of like, you know, a toxic relationship with yourself, you have to first get really clear on what is true. And what are the things that you're saying to yourself? Like, because these are things that, these are scripts and tapes that are just been playing in the background of your head and your subconscious for God knows how long. And so it is a matter of becoming aware of what it is that you're actually telling yourself and where you are with like your life and where you want to be in terms of like how you want to feel, because that's going to look unique, unique and different to everyone. If someone's like, I want to feel good. Great. What does that mean to you? Because you're feeling good, Michael, different from my feeling good. And that's beautiful. That's fine. But you need to know what that looks like for you. And from there, it's a matter of flipping your script and your internal narrative. And so like, okay, I, I'm now aware of the things that I do say to myself. What are the things that I want to be true? And like, what are these things that like I can say? Because they're um, research, evidence-based. You need like three to five positive experiences to counteract a negative one because wow. our negativity bias, our negativity bias has us, you know, put more emphasis on the negative things because that is a threat to our livelihood and our survival. So we're obviously naturally, we're, we're programmed to pay more attention to those negative things because they're a threat to us. So mm. when you experience a negative thing, like, Oh, like I'm so fat, let's say, first of all, that I am language is embodiment. So you need to, I feel so is completely different. So you need to like flip that narrative and you need to be aware of that. And if that's something that you have been telling yourself for however long, then you need to flip that by telling yourself, 
a, like three to five more things that are positive about your body. Like I am powerful. I am healthy. I am strong. Um, I am sexy, whatever the case may be. I can and show people with my thighs. There you go. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> and like your, my body is a weapon, like all these different things. And so I think that that is, you know, key in flipping like your relationship that you have with these inanimate objects in terms of you know food and movement and I think a lot of times I spoke to this briefly about how like I thought movement was something that like I had to do and I hated it and I'd run on the treadmill and do the elliptical because I didn't know that there were these other things that I would actually enjoy because I had never you know no one ever told me that you should go out and try them like I didn't know that you know it would not only you know be serving as like a, an exercise but that it would also be creating new neural pathways in my brain that would then make me, you know, curious about other things and expand into other areas and just like ripple out and literally change my life. And so I think that that is some shit that I wish someone told me. Stephen and I are going to be talking about that later. But um, yeah, I think that those are things that are imperative whenever you are coming to conclusion in terms of like, you know, hey, like the relationship I have with my body is toxic. What can I do about it? And how can I shift this? Because it's not necessarily a matter of like, and this is what you pointed to earlier, this is ending. It's a matter of this relationship is evolving and it is transitioning. And so you're not stopping one, you're taking what has been and you're using that experience to make better choices moving forward to get you where you actually want to be. But first you have to recognize where you are where you want to be. And then that's whenever you start to look at all these other things that like go into how to make that happen. Any thoughts, comments, anything to add to that? I, I love that. I, I, I love your, your evidence-based stuff because I, I just think that's so important and, and so interesting about, you know, the negative stuff is so much easier to, to grab onto and think about and that we need to consciously counteract that. And so I think it's the same thing, you know, when you're trying to move to another place is to replace that negative self-talk because when you are striking out on your own and you don't have the distractions of all these other things um, to replace that narrative and to write that new narrative. And I, I think that's, that's a, a great way to wrap it up, great place to wrap it up because I think that's so, so important for everyone to really pay attention to that internal dialogue and what you're saying to yourself and if it's true and is it helpful and is it helping you get to where you want to be or is it just keeping you in a toxic place yeah yeah and to the point of like you know why it is so hard to change briefly to touch on this i want to hear what you have to say it's because we don't go to what we consciously know is best for us. We go to what's familiar because our brains, again, to take it back to that, our brains are created for our survival. And even if this bad thing, this toxic ass relationship, you know, is toxic and we know it's bad, history has proven that even though that may be true, we still have survived to see the next day. And so, we have adapted our brain has you know made shifts and started creating chemicals and so like we think that that is normal and so this unknown thing why yeah it may be better it's unknown and so that biologically we are fearful of because we like to be in control we like to know that we're going to be safe 
And so we're therefore going to be more hesitant to like try this new thing, even though we know it's probably better because we, our brains are going through the motions, going through the patterns, telling us the stories that, yeah, but this thing, like you can survive that. Like you've done it before. Like it's fine. Like this is what we know. And it's so used to producing those stressful chemicals that whenever you're in an absence of that, it's going to set it off in the equilibrium because it's what that's what it thinks is normal. It thinks the stressful situation is normal. And so you're going to be recreating situations that will recreate those same chemicals because that is now what your body thinks is normal. So you literally have to reprogram your body, your way of being, and create a whole new you is what happens. So that is why it is so hard um, from like my experience and my stance and like what I've like researched. So what are your thoughts on that? That is, that is the reason that we call, that we have cheating on fear. That, that is what cheating on fear is, is that the thing that is comfortable and familiar isn't necessarily where you need to be. And so creating a new pathway to use your terminology, creating those new pathways into, you know, and, and I talk about this a lot with regard to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is why that, that was a game changer and a life changer for me because the overarching effect of that study was being comfortable with being uncomfortable day after day after day after day. And it, it literally changes your brain. It changes the way it works. It makes you run towards things that are uncomfortable because you can recognize the positive change and the advantages to you to going towards that. And every time you do that, it creates confidence. And, and it is, it is a, another pattern, but is, it is a pattern that takes you towards things that are good for you, even though they may be uncomfortable at first. And so that's, that is basically what we do at Cheating on Fear is finding ways to make it more palatable for people to go towards that kind of behavior, being comfortable with being uncomfortable. And there are so many examples of that, but that's exactly what you're talking about is moving towards a place that may not be comfortable right away, but are better for you. And, and that's, that's what you need to get out of toxic relationships of all stripes is, is being comfortable with being uncomfortable and realizing that that's a temporary state of being. And that we are adaptable to so much positive and negative, but that self-talk, that narrative inside your head is going to decide which direction you're going. I got chills. I think that that, so yeah, we had the same experience. Yours was in terms of like getting comfortable, being uncomfortable and knowing like the CrossFit um, motto is like, <laughs> prepare for the unknown and the unknown. You might need a COVID test for that cough you've got. <laughs> about being uncomfortable because we live in a society that is built for comfort and so so many people shy away from that and one of the things that I recognized after I had been doing CrossFit for a minute was um that yeah like it was really hot there was no AC or like it was really cold and it was really hot because I was in Florida but being uncomfortable in that capacity 
you then recognize and get a better awareness of what you are capable of, you know, standing up to and like what's what you're capable of like going through. And that's something that like when you first work out, your heart's beating really fast. Like you don't know, like, oh my God, like what's happening? Your stress response is going off. And so it's a matter of, you know, continuously doing that so that you learn more about your body and you learn more about who you are. And like you, to your exact point, like you said it so well, I hope I'm not like taken away from this. Um, but in terms of doing that repeatedly, you are in that controlled environment, setting yourself and your brain up for instances when that happens outside of that controlled environment. So you're better able to respond to these situations because your body recognizes the elevated stress response. And so you like, because if you think about it, when you start to work out, start to breathe heavy, your heart starts to pound. That's the same reaction a lot of times that you have whenever you are faced with like an uncomfortable situation. Someone's like, hey, we need to talk. Same situation, right? Your heart starts to pound, you kind of start to breathe, like you feel that feeling in your gut. If you are more, you know, aware of what that is like, then you're going to be calmer in your reaction because you've been doing, you've been experiencing those same sensations in that controlled environment when it comes to fitness and for you Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and for me, the CrossFits. And so that, I think, is a really beautiful place to end because yeah i'm not saying that that is like the end all be all but i'm saying that whenever you put yourself in situations where you test your limits you get an awareness of what your limits are and you keep doing that until you figure out that you are limitless until you realize that and that i think is some shit i wish someone would have told me Chef's kiss to you on that one. Yeah, absolutely. Thank I love you. that. Thank you. Love that. Happy, you brought it out of me. Thank you for creating the circumstance. We're a good team. Yeah, we are. All right. So <laughs> hour and 45 minutes. Any closing thoughts? Anything else you would like to say? I don't I don't want to stop this party, but I mean I think I think we've been here. I think that's a good place. That's a good place. Limitless. Let's leave it there. All right, cool. Well, thank you so much as always. Check out Cheating on Fear. Um, anywhere you like to listen to podcasts, I will make sure to tag them in the description here. Um, they're also tagged in the title. Make sure that you run, do not walk, or I guess like finger tap over to their podcast um, and hear what they have to say. Um, and yeah, we will see you next time. Thank you so much for being here and absolutely. This has been nothing short of magic. I, it made my Friday. Love to Thanks. see you. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you.